Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Michael Wald, and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Today's show topic is intermittent fasting, the truths and the lies. So as many of you know who've been listening to Ask the Blood Detective, I've been in the field of uh, natural health care and holistic medicine for just under 30 years. And I've seen quite a lot uh, come through my office over the years in the area of fasting. And some of it is quite good, and some of it is very, very, very bad. So I've gotten a lot of requests from you, the listening audience, to discuss intermittent fasting specifically, and that's what I'm going to do. So why don't I start with some benefits of intermittent fasting? And I should say before we start the topic that to submit any topics or questions that you have, please go to my website at intmedny.com. That's intmedny.com. And if you click on the window, which shows the Blood Detective radio show, Ask the Blood Detective, within that page, you'll be able to give me all of your questions, concerns, and future show topics. And you'll be able to listen to other shows if that's what you'd like to do. So let's start by sort of defining what intermittent fasting is. So intermittent fasting, which I might um, I might refer to it as IF at some parts during the show, is a is an eating pattern where you can cycle between periods of eating and periods of fasting. That's the basic concept. There are many different types of intermittent fasting, and I know that a lot of you have heard of them. Uh, one type is the sixteen eight. And there's also something called the 3-2 method. Now, I have to tell you, there are a good deal of studies that show that IF, intermittent fasting, can and often does provide very powerful benefits to the body overall and particularly to the brain. You know, brain aging is a, it's a catastrophe. I'm in the process of completing a book called Your Holistic Brain, and I've been lecturing across the United States to healthcare providers and the public on the ways in which our brains decay over time. And what the evidence shows regarding brain decay is that the areas of the brain, such as the hippocampus, which is that part of the brain which is involved in Alzheimer's disease, and other diseases too, like Parkinson's disease and multiple sclerosis, but it's the hippocampus in dementia, like Alzheimer's dementia, that seems to be a target. We know that the right type of fasting seems to slow and even reverse certain aspects of brain aging. You know, there's a complicated chemical called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, okay, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, that helps the brain, helps the brain's stability. And intermittent fasting increases the levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which allows 
for neurons in the brain to live longer and, more importantly, to live better. And from what I have seen in the literature, there are approximately 10 evidence-based major health benefits of intermittent fasting. And I want to go over those with you right now. Okay. The first is describing some of the more important changes that occur in your body or potentially can occur in your body during various fasting endeavors, such as insulin levels. So insulin is a hormone. It's made by the pancreas. It's made by specific cells in the pancreas known as the beta cells. You know, the pancreas is a very interesting organ because it really has two major functions. There's the insulin-secreting pancreas for blood sugar regulation, and then there's the enzyme-secreting pancreas, which secretes protein, carbohydrate, and fat-digesting enzymes. I thought you'd appreciate that little tidbit, but insulin levels drop significantly in many people during intermittent fasting. And when the insulin levels drop, fat burning is generally increased. Another very important change that occurs in fasting is that involving human growth hormone, HGH. The blood levels of growth hormone may increase as much as five times. That is a huge jump. Higher levels of growth hormone facilitate fat burning and also muscle gain, and they help retain what's known as lean body mass. And there are other benefits. But the thing for you to know is this. As you age, your body generally produces fewer hormones of many types, including growth hormone. And the decline of growth hormone and the resistance that's, that develops against the growth hormone that does remain causes loss of lean mass, which is a phenomenon as we grow older called sarcopenia. Now, stay with me here. Sarcopenia is just a fancy term for muscle wasting, but not just muscles, which is lean mass, but your organs. So as you age, you lose your lean mass. If you lose your organs, if they start to shrink and atrophy as they become sarcopenic, now you get all the terms, then your laboratory work becomes terrible because it's your organs that make your chemistries that are measured on laboratory work. So if intermittent fasting, if, when it is done correctly, can cause a five-fold increase in growth hormone. When I started to properly fast, I gained 12 pounds of lean body mass in less than two months, and I'm 53 years old. If you go to my website, you will see a muscle shot of me, which will, I'm just going to, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I have the musculature of a, a far younger person in their 20s, even better. So this is possible for some people. Now, I should take a break here for a second and, and reiterate a very important point. These benefits and all the other potential benefits that I will be discussing, these are potential benefits. You may not experience these benefits. You may only experience feeling kind of good when you're fasting, but really not gaining any health benefits at all beyond that. And I know this because I see many patients who have fasted on their own, and then they've come to see me, and I've looked at their chemistries, and their chemistries look awful, but they feel good. You want to feel good, great even, and you want your body chemistry also to look good, Otherwise, you're not getting a benefit from the fasting.
You cannot rely on how you feel to judge whether or not fasting has benefits for you, unless you're just looking for feeling better during the time that you're fasting. And that's great. That doesn't happen for everyone, but that's certainly worth something. One other important point. You all know there are all kinds of different ways to fast. We're going to talk more about those, but the way in which you personally might benefit from fasting is only going to be realized if you're seeing a practitioner that knows how to create a fasting plan that matches your actual needs. So this general concept of, yeah, fasting is great for all of these things is is simply not true. Fasting when done the wrong way can even hurt a person. But I do admit for the most part, it's it has more positives certainly than negatives. But really, if you're interested in actually improving your quality of life and the length of time that you tend to live in what I've called in prior shows, the non-disability stage of your life, that means living longer during that period of your life where you're, you can do stuff. That's what you want. The right sort of fasting can help you achieve that. It's not going to do it alone, but it's, it could be a major part of it if done correctly and not just one time. Fasting efforts need to be part of either a intermittent plan or long-term health plan. Any short-term fasting efforts that are inconsistent and not based on your actual needs and goals uh, will not generally help a person. So we've already talked about how insulin levels drop significantly, which facilitates the burning of fat. That's wonderful. I also may have suggested that fasting when done correctly reduces insulin resistance. That means the insulin that you have works better in your body. Also, I said that fasting when done correctly will increase growth hormone levels as many as five times higher than normal growth hormone levels. And growth hormone is extremely important for maintaining lean organ mass, improving muscle strength and tone, improving bone mass, helping to stabilize the brain, and overall body repair. Which brings me to my third major point of potential benefit of fasting, and that is improvements of cellular repair. So the body induces a number of important cellular repair processes, such as um, removing waste materials from cells. And that process is increased with the proper type of fasting. Now, I'm a blood detective guy. You all know that. And I'm trying to train anyone listening to the show to be your own blood detective. And when I say blood detective, I don't just mean relying on blood to determine whether or not uh, what you want to have happen is happening. That is part of it. But it might also be urine tests. It might be saliva tests. It might be electrodiagnostic tests. A blood detective uses the latest sorts of technologies that help to prove whether or not your efforts are working. And furthermore, a blood detective will be able to determine the type of fasting 
that a person needs at a given time in their life. They might need something else later based upon their biochemistry. Which brings me to my next point. Part of your biochemistry is known as gene expression. There are many potential changes in several key genes in the body uh, and certain molecules produced from those genes that relate directly to longevity and ward off disease or delay the early onset of diseases that might have killed a person earlier on. So when fasting is done correctly, it modifies gene expression. That's called an epigenetic effect. So when fasting is done correctly with the right nutritional supplementation, I've just added that in now, you can maximize gene expression for longevity and protection against disease. You can maximize cellular repair. You can maximize growth hormone secretion and insulin levels by reducing insulin resistance and facilitating and maximizing fat burning. So, you know, when you fast regarding insulin, insulin levels drop and human growth hormone increases. Your cells also initiate several important cellular repair processes and changes which within certain genes so in other words, when the insulin levels go down, which is what you want, and the growth hormone levels go up, certain genes turn on. And generally speaking, they are the type of genes that you want that help ward off against disease. For those joining us, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I practice in Katona, New York, located in, in uh, Westchester, about an hour north of New York City. You can email me your questions and concerns by going to my website at INT, M-E-D, ny.com. Go to that uh, homepage, click on the radio show button, give me all your questions, and let me know your next show topics. I created a whole sort of questionnaire. It'll take you two minutes to go through it so I can make sure that each show has all of your questions. I might even do, do a show next time that has all of the questions I receive between now, or as many as I can answer between now and the next show. Okay. Back to intermittent fasting. Now, can it actually help you lose weight and particularly belly fat? Everyone's concerned about that. So many people who try intermittent fasting are doing it exactly for that purpose, to lose weight. So generally speaking, intermittent fasting will have you eat fewer meals. So unless you, if you compensate by eating much more during the other meals, you'll end up taking in fewer calories. So in other words, Fasting, and particularly intermittent fasting, is generally associated with you reducing your overall caloric intake. And that does make sense as one potential component to help you lose weight. But we, we all know that it's not just a matter of reducing calories. If you don't have proper thyroid function and adrenal function, and you have chronic inflammation and all sorts of reasons, you can reduce your calories, but you're going to find you're not losing weight or you're not nearly losing the weight that you should be losing. And that's because of these other influential, fa influential factors. So additionally, it should be known that intermittent fasting enhances hormone function to facilitate weight loss. So a number of hormonal changes that take place which do seem to promote weight loss beyond just the reduction in calories. Lower insulin levels, and as I've mentioned, uh, higher growth hormone levels, 
and increased amounts of another important chemical known as norepinephrine, it's also called noradrenaline, all increase the breakdown of body fat and that body fat is then used for energy. So once again, lower insulin levels is possible through IF, higher growth hormone levels and increased norepinephrine or noradrenaline that helps burn fat so it can be burned for energy. Now, for, th- for that reason, short-term fasting actually increases your metabolic rate by about 3.6 to as high as 14%, helping you burn even more calories. So the short-term fasting seems to be best for weight loss purposes. But a lot of you know it's not working. It's not working because it's never this simple. It's never that simple. You have to make sure you have the right nutrition, the right timing of your foods during your fasting, and the right time of the fast for you to get results. And fasts generally need to be repeated and sometimes not exactly the same as they previously were. Think of it like a workout in the gym. You shouldn't be doing the same workout every time. You should be changing things up. That's how you get the body to respond. But you do have to repeat the workouts, just like you need to repeat the fasting. So when I work with my patients, depending on their diseases, their genetics, their health goals, medications, because fasting does affect the detoxification pathways of medication in the liver. Also, it can affect uh, renal function, which is the kidneys, and also intestinal function, all having an impact on how both medications are utilized by the body and supplements. It could be in the positive direction or in the negative direction. This, this is something about fasting you just don't hear a lot about because most people pushing fasting are not trained to know about the detoxification mechanisms because they may not have gone to medical school or chiropractic school. I think um, those are the, about the only schools that really teach that. Uh, when I got my dietitian license, they didn't teach us that. But I did learn it in medical school, and I did learn it in chiropractic school. So we need to figure out what and how and when someone's fast should be done right for them. But if you do it right, short-term type fast, I have seen increased metabolic rate from 3 to 14%. Now, how do I know that? Remember, blood detectives, you should have some way of checking every single statement that I tell you. So, for example, if I see you as a patient, I would measure a, your body body composition. I would use a test called a bioimpedance test. And that electrical test will tell me precisely and exactly what your metabolic rate is. So, if I see an increase in metabolic rate with the ways in which we're fasting you, then I know we're doing it right. If I don't, we immediately change it. And... If we want to see the effects of lowered insulin, higher norepinephrine or noradrenaline, and higher growth hormone upon your lean organ mass and muscle mass, guess what? I can measure that as a blood detective. I have not talked to a person yet in my profession that measures all of these parameters. I can only guess that they haven't because they're not interested, or maybe they want to avoid them. Maybe they don't want to They don't have confidence that what they're doing is working 100%. So my point is you want to be able to know if you're getting these effects. Otherwise, you might get some of these effects that might might show up in the very, very short term 
and like weight loss, but you'll be fooled into thinking that you've actually lost the weight by increasing your metabolic rate as a side effect of putting on more lean body mass, which is what you want. But if you lose the weight and it's from losing the lean mass, you have made yourself way worse. So intermittent fasting works on both sides of the calorie equation. It boosts your metabolic rate. In other words, increases calories out and it reduces the amount of food you eat, reducing the calories in. As long as you don't pig out with your, with your meals that you have intermittently with your fasting. Now, according to a 2014 review of the scientific literature uh, on the uh, PubMed.com, which is a national library of medicine, intermittent fasting can cause weight loss of 3 to 8% over just 3 to 24 weeks. That is a lot of weight. And if it's from lean body mass, that's what you need. That is what you need. So one particular study showed that intermittent fasting can cause, or cause, I should say, lean muscle loss, I should say less lean muscle loss than continuous caloric restriction. Let me say that again. Intermittent fasting can cause less loss of muscle mass than continuous caloric restriction. So if you're one of those people that just is always reducing calories, you're going to lose lean muscle mass. Muscle mass is what burns fat. But if you intermittently fast, you lose lean mass much, much less than if you continually practice caloric restriction. Very important. And also nice to know because intermittent fasting is... Um, it's doable. You know, you can stop and start it. So all things considered, intermittent fasting can be an incredibly useful uh, weight loss tool. More, uh, more about that later. But I should say that, I mean, bottom line is intermittent fasting helps you eat fewer calories while it boosts uh, metabolism slightly. It's a very effective tool to lose weight and belly fat when done correctly which means, blood detectives, you'll still need the right nutritional supplementation and the right sort of foods that you'll be eating intermittently during your fast. And those foods, some of you are saying, well, what are those foods, Dr. Wall? What are those foods? Tell us. I don't know, because that depends on what you need. See, this is going beyond just the, the stuff you read on the web. It'll have you think that everything, everyone's the same and they need the same thing. They should do the same thing. They should not. You should not. Okay, you know, what's also very fascinating is there are only a couple of things that have been shown to increase um, lifespan. One is caloric restriction. And the other one is low temperatures. So when they take animals like mice and they reduce their daily caloric intake by about 30%, which is a lot, by the way, I mean, if you were to reduce your caloric intake by 30%, you'd be hungry all the time and you'd be a stick. Um, but you would live longer, probably, although there are, are no human trials showing that this is true. It's thought to be true by gerontologists or aging specialists, and it is true in mice. Mice live 30%, no, 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 50% longer when they reduce their daily caloric intake by 30%. That's pretty wild. 
So the idea here is that you can get most of the benefits, I'd say about 85% of the benefits of caloric restriction by intermittently fasting, which might give you a good amount of the benefits of longevity. Although, as I said, that is not proven yet, but that's my impression at this point. Now let's talk about intermittent fasting and its relationship to insulin resistance. Can it reduce insulin resistance? The answer is yes. Can it lower your risk of developing adult onset type two diabetes? The answer is also yes. And for those of you out there who are thinking, well, I don't have type two diabetes, ha ha. <laughs> you may not, I hope you don't. But you may have something under that. You may have insulin resistance and you may not even know it. If you live on this planet, you probably have some amount of insulin resistance. And I want to direct you all to my last radio show where I talked about 25 different factors that affect blood sugar that have nothing at all to do with blood sugar. So if you're thinking that, no, you don't eat sugar, your blood sugar is great, it, it doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but it's not enough. So you need to listen to this is what I, what I mean to say. So type 2 diabetes has become incredibly common uh, in recent decades. It's like everyone's heard of it now. The main uh, clinical feature is hyperglycemia or high blood sugar, usually in the context of insulin resistance that may look like high levels of insulin or even normal levels of insulin, but the insulin's not working. Anything that reduces insulin resistance, which is a bad thing, should help lower blood sugar levels and protect against type 2 diabetes. So I'm just going to say that first part again. Anything that you can do that reduces insulin resistance is a really good thing. Now, this whole insulin resistance blood sugar thing does not only relate to diabetes. It relates to stroke. It relates to Alzheimer's disease. It relates to cancers. Of course, inflammation is a fundamental process in the body that contributes to the diseases I just mentioned, plus many others. So it behooves all of us to manage our blood sugar levels. Interestingly, intermittent fasting has been shown to have several major benefits for insulin resistance. And these have led to quite an impressive reduction in blood sugar levels. In human studies on intermittent fasting, they've actually been done. Fasting blood sugar has been reduced by between 3 and 6%. And the fasting insulin by between 20 and 31%. That is quite huge. And that study, by the way, is in a journal called Translational Research, Volume 164, Issue 4, October 2014, between pages 302 and 311. Now, I don't usually d discuss you know, and, and quote the articles from the medical literature like I just did. But I wanted you to know that I could. So if any of you uh, question or would like information regarding where a statement was from, just let me know and I will do my best to respond to you. But it's important that you know that your blood detective, that's me, is giving you information that is not just a bunch of talk, I just want everything in natural healthcare to sound good because I have said some not so good things about lots of things in, in natural healthcare, which you'll see on my various 
Ask the Blood Detective radio shows. But intermittent fasting as a concept is a very, very solid one. Here's something that's really amazing. One study on diabetic rats, these poor little rats, showed that intermittent fasting protected against kidney damage, one of the most severe complications of diabetes. Diabetics tend to get chronic renal failure. And what chronic renal failure is, is as it would, the term suggests, is a chronic loss of the nephrons and other anatomical features and functions of the kidneys. Now, many adults between the ages of 60 and above tend to have some degree of chronic renal failure and you don't even know it because your doctor didn't tell you and your doctor didn't tell you because it's really common and your doctor didn't tell you and it's really common because if you're still walking around, you probably don't need to be in a hospital. You have to lose a certain amount of your renal function before it becomes a, a, a dire circumstance. But there, this is one of these conditions that cuts people's lives short and there's not enough proactivity as far as I'm concerned. So one last thing, you must hear this. Before your doctor can look at your tests and say, hey, you have the beginnings of chronic renal failure, you have to lose 40% of your kidney function. Why is that? Because the ranges on a blood test of the creatinine kidney test is only sensitive to just over 40% loss of kidney function. So you might say to me, oh no, Dr. Wald, yeah, I know that my creatinine is a little bit abnormal. It should be less than you know 1.1 and it's 1.1. I'm gonna say to you, that's 40% loss of function. So intermittent fasting is one of the ways in which to help the kidneys recover. If you go too far along the chronic renal failure path, like uh, level three and four renal failure, you're not coming back uh, even with intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting is not the only thing that you need, but it is a, an important tool. So we have intermittent fasting showing that it protected against kidney damage, you know, uh, in these rats. Now, what this implies is that intermittent fasting may be a highly protective tool for people who are at risk of developing type 2 diabetes and for the complications of type 2 diabetes, whether it's the cardiovascular complications, the neurologic complications, and I just talked about the kidney or the renal complications. This is important for everything, but how to do it for you must be based on your needs. I'm not going to intermittently fast a 50-year-old with malabsorption and gluten intolerance the same way as I'm going to intermittently fast a 55-year-old diabetic who's 265 pounds. There has to be other considerations. Uh, and once these considerations are considered, then the proper intermittent fast, along with the proper food introductions and nutritional supplementation and food and nutrition timing can be, can be done well. So one thing that's really important in terms of intermittent fasting and its effect upon men and women is that there are some differences between genders. There was a study in women that showed that blood sugar control actually worsens after a 22-day-long intermittent fasting protocol. And for those of you that are going to send me hate mail on that, 
Um, there's a journal called Obese Research, and in March of 2005, there was a study called Glucose Tolerance and Skeletal Muscle Gene Expression in response to alternate day fasting. This is what it showed. So that's what happens when you don't personalize things. Bottom line though, intermittent fasting can reduce insulin resistance and it can lower blood sugar levels, at least in men. In women, I have to use other things. I can intermittently fast women, of course, and I do, but the nutrition needs to be different to push the, uh, this aspect of what, of hyperglycemia that seems to be associated with women fasting for about 22 days. So the ways of compensating for it is what I mean to say. Okay. Now let's talk about whether or not intermittent fasting can reduce what's called oxidative stress and inflammation in your body, okay? So oxidative stress is a term that describes the fact that you have oxidants in your body. They're produced in your body. You can take them in from the diet as well, but most are produced in your body and oxidants oxidize. And these oxidant molecules lend themselves to aging and also many chronic diseases. Every disease in human beings is associated with oxidation. There is, though, a benefit of oxidation. Uh, oxidation is needed to remove and destroy old and dying cells, for example. So it's not all bad. So when I work with people, I measure their level of oxidation. And if I give them the appropriate antioxidants or fast them appropriately to reduce oxidative stress, everyone, then the oxidative marker has to come down. No one's talking about it. Why, why, why? Because unless you're thinking like a blood detective, you just not, you're not thinking of like, is this actually working for you? All right. So oxidative stress involves unstable molecules. They're called free radicals. They run around your body and they just, they destroy stuff. They react with very important molecules like your DNA, your genetic material. And when they do that, they can cause gene glitches. They can even promote cancer by causing DNA strand breaks. And then the, the cells just can't speak the right chemical language to the next cell. So they give them the wrong DNA broken language and that does it again to the next cell and the next cell, that's called proliferation and that's cancer. So it is well known and it is of no disagreement whatsoever that antioxidants um, are part of the aging process, the disease process, but they're also needed to remove dead and dying cells. If you're interested in an article, there was one in the uh, Biomed Research International and it was a review article entitled Oxidative Stress pro-oxidants and antioxidants and their interplay. And that was um, volume uh, 2014. So next, we know, and this is so key, that intermittent fasting enhances the body's resistance to oxidative stress. So for the most part, oxidative stress is a bad thing particularly when it's an excess. And you'll know if it's an excess if you have a chemical in your urine called MDA. MDA is malonyl dialdehyde. Malonyl dialdehyde. 
So you want to know that after your intermittent fasting efforts, it's going down, down, down. But several studies show that intermittent fasting enhances the body's resistance to oxidative stress. That is a really big, that's a big statement. And you should know that the Journal of Nutritional Biochemistry reported in an article called Beneficial Effects of Intermittent Fasting and Caloric Restriction on the cardiovascular end the cardio and the cerebrovascular systems, which refer to the head and all the blood vessels in the head. Furthermore, there was another article in Free Radical Biology, Biological Medicine, that alternate day calorie restriction improves all sorts of symptoms, what they call clinical findings, and reduces the markers of oxidative stress and inflammation in overweight adults and those with, with asthma, even moderate asthma. It's absolutely incredible. But there's more. <laughs> there are even, there are other studies, there are three really, really good studies that show that intermittent fasting can help fight inflammation. Another key uh, driver of all sorts of common diseases. So again, you can't just feel better from intermittent fasting. You have to reduce the inflammatory mediators. You have to prove you've reduced the oxidative mediators. You have to prove you in increase the levels of specific potential antioxidants like vitamin C. You need to prove that your lean body mass is actually improving. And you need to prove, if you're at all concerned with managing your weight, that your metabolic rate percentage has increased. Studies show that intermittent fasting does reduce oxidative damage. It does reduce inflammation in the body. And these benefits should be useful against all manner of poor aging and to ward off or delay the development of numerous diseases. Okay, what about intermittent fasting and heart health? Before I tell you about that, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. We're talking all about intermittent fasting and how to really think like a blood detective. To reach me, you can call me at 914-552-1442. That's 914-552-1442. If any of you want to work with me, either at a distance or face-to-face -face as a patient, or go to my website at, at intmedny.com, press the image of the radio show, fill in the form of the topics you want, the questions you have, and that's what makes... These shows really, really interesting. Okay. You may know that heart disease is currently the world's biggest killer. It kills more people than anything else. And what is just amazing is that we know it's the, according to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, it's the leading cause of death uh, in the United States. We've got the number of deaths of you know, for leading causes of, of death are, number one, heart disease at 635,260 annually. Cancer kills about 598,038 people. Accidents, about 161,000. Chronic lower respiratory diseases kill about 154,000 people a year. Strokes, about 142,000. Alzheimer's disease, about 116,000, diabetes, about 80,000, influenza and pneumonia, about 51,000, 
and then some renal issues called nephritis, nephrotic syndrome, and nephrosis, about 50,000, and intentional self-harm, about 44,000. But heart disease is 635,000, with a second runner-up of cancer at 598. We need to do something about this, and guess what? We can. It's known that various health markers, what they call risk factors, are associated with either an increased or decreased risk of heart disease. So intermittent fasting has been shown to improve several of these risk factors, including blood pressure. The higher the blood pressure, the shorter your life. It can also affect favorably by lowering your total and your LDL cholesterol, your blood triglycerides, and various inflammatory markers and blood sugar levels. All of these have been proven. Um, There was a really good article on intermittent fasting versus daily caloric restriction for type 2 diabetes, which showed that the daily caloric restriction was better for lowering blood sugar, by the way. Now, I know that as a, as a doctor, but I still might decide to intermittently fast someone as opposed to fasting them uh, on an on a alternate day. Now, why would I do that? This is based upon the individual person that is presenting to me. And I look at various factors, including, including detailed questionnaires and a conversation with, with people to figure out what they need. And then sometimes the laboratory work is very helpful to personalize the intermittent fasting or the alternating day fasting or some other sort of fasting plan. There's a lot of different permutations of fasting, as many of you know. Now, a lot of the intermittent fasting studies which show a decrease in the inflammatory markers I just mentioned in the blood sugar and the the lipids, they're mostly uh, animal studies, but I've done this with people and it does seem to work when it's done right. So I can't tell you, however, that the effects on heart health, you know, are definitely reduced because all these other markers which seem to promote heart health are. But it stands to reason it probably would. So bottom line is this. Studies show that intermittently fasting can improve numerous risk factors for heart disease, and uh, including heart disease risk factors like blood pressure, blood cholesterol, triglycerides, and various inflammatory markers, which I measure on some of my patients. So what about the cellular repair process, something I, I mentioned briefly earlier? When we fast, when you fast, the cells of your body initiate cellular um, cleanup. Now, I guess you can call it waste removal. And that's a process called autophagy. Now, that's a complicated little word, but autophagy is a fundamental process of cellular maintenance. And what is absolutely astonishing is that there is a journal called Autophagy. And in the 2010 edition in August, there was a fantastic article entitled The Short-Term Fast, How Short-Term Fasting Induced or Induces Profound Neuronal Autophagy. So autophagy is a reparative process which involves balancing a lot of key cellular processes so they're homeostatically regulated and maintaining the nervous system in particular. 
but other cells as well. So what about, what about intermittent fasting and cancer prevention? Look, I have treated many cancer patients over the years, and even though the results that I have with the, my patients are fantastic, cancer is a terrible disease. And by definition, it's characterized by uncontrolled growths of cells, which is called proliferation or hyperproliferation. The way in which cancer cells affect us is that they basically represent normal cellular processes that have gone awry. It's too much of a good thing on a number of levels. The right nutrition and the right controlled fasting does seem to affect every single last one of the known underlying mechanisms of cancer. And, which is the whole point, pushing these aberrant abnormalities of cellular function towards more normalcy. Okay, so fasting has been shown to have several beneficial effects on metabolism that might lead to reduce risk of cancer in the first place. That's a big deal. Also, although human studies are definitely needed, there's a lot of very good, uh, extremely promising evidence from animal studies that seems to indicate that intermittent fasting may help prevent cancer. There's one study, for example, in Cancer Investigations entitled Effects of Short-Term Dietary Restriction on Survival of mammary ascites tumor-bearing rats. Sounds complicated, but I'm telling you, it is a good study. <laughs> also, there was another study entitled Fasting Cycles Retard Growth of Tumors and Sensitize a Range of Cancer Cell Types to Chemotherapy. So the proper fasting can allow the cancer cells to respond better to chemo? Holy moly, that is amazing. So look, no one wants to take chemotherapy, but if you choose to take chemotherapy, if you have cancer, you want it to work. So this is one of the ways that it may work, by the proper controlled uh, fasting. There's one other study I'll mention. The effects, it was entitled, The Effects of Fasting and Intermittent Fasting on Rat Liver Cancer, which was induced by a toxin. And the fasting, it helped the situation. So these are just a few of the applications of controlled fasting. Um, but with each person, the situation is different. But bottom line is intermittent fasting has been shown to help prevent cancer in animal studies. One paper in humans showed that it can reduce the side effects caused by chemotherapy. And of course, nutrition, and, and also including nutritional supplements, depending on the side effects you need to mitigate, which are more or less specific to different kinds of uh, chemotherapy, uh, nutrition helps offset side effects, and some of these side effects are can kill you. So very important to combine things together when appropriate. But unfortunately, and this is my experience, but I do believe it is representative of most of um, holistic practitioners' experience out there, is that the cancer doctors, oncologists, are just not willing to do nutrition. Some of them range from stop that craziness that it'll kill you, meaning nutrition, to we don't know how it may interfere with what we're doing, which is true in some cases, um, to, well, it probably won't hurt you, so go ahead, 
Two, I don't care what you do. Go ahead and do it. These are the different things that I hear from my patients. Okay. So how about the brain? Because it's if you can avoid a lot all this disease with intermittent fasting, but you have dementia, that's going to kind of be a bummer. So can intermittent fasting improve the brain? Well, what is good for the body as a whole sometimes is actually good for the brain. Uh, intermittent fasting does improve certain metabolic features uh, known to be very important for brain health. And some of those features include the following. Basically, basically, and very importantly, short-term fasting induces profound neuronal autophagy. Autophagy is reparative to the brain. This is such a big deal. Um, I, I wish I could do a whole show on it, and maybe I will, but I'll tell you that in the Journal of Cell Metabolism, there was an amazing uh, article on autophagy where they talk about how the brain is maintained relative to proper uh, fasting. So animal studies have also shown that intermittent fasting protects the brain against uh, damage due to strokes. Now, the thing about that, I have, I have mixed feelings about this. Of course, we want people to have fewer strokes. So intermittent fasting does reduce the risk of stroke when done correctly. I suppose what I want to say is this, in medicine, they will tell you very proudly, well, we do have lots of people who are getting strokes, but they're surviving them. And even people having two strokes, they're surviving too. I have some of these patients and they are surviving, except many of them have no more life. I know one woman who had two strokes, who cannot walk, who is in a bed, in a nursing home, she will never leave. And she's not even 60. I think she's 57. So how you survive and how you prevent matters. So rather than trying to prevent thrombotic strokes from clots with a daily aspirin, which could have its issues, like increasing your risk of hemorrhagic stroke, <laughs> I'm not kidding, we might want to reduce our risk of stroke by intermittently fasting at various intervals throughout our lives based upon our needs. Bottom line, intermittent fasting may have very important benefits for brain health. It certainly seems to. It may increase the growth of new neurons and protect the brain from damage. Okay, how about specifically, now let's get into the brain a little bit more. Does intermittent fasting help prevent Alzheimer's disease? All right, you decide. First of all, Alzheimer's disease is the world's most common neurodegenerative disease. And when you think of the word Alzheimer's disease, think of the word all. It messes your whole entire brain, all of it up, okay? Yeah, there are certain areas in the brain that seem to be more or less affected, but it is a it affects the whole brain, which is why my next book is called Holistic Brain, because it talks about Alzheimer's disease from that perspective. There's no cure for Alzheimer's disease. So preventing it from showing up in the first place is the only option. And the Attorney General 
had said, one of the attorney generals in a YouTube video, when describing Alzheimer's disease and the medications, said within the first, I think it was three minutes, maybe two minutes of the video, that the medication doesn't work. So what we do know is that nutrition for prevention, that does work. If you have Alzheimer's disease already, my opinion is that intermittent fasting is not going to help you. It might help you live longer so that you, you can be a burden to your family. Uh, and I mean that with some seriousness because if you're demented, uh, do you want your family to be burdened with you? If the answer is yes, I got it. Because that might be the way things are done, let's say, in your culture. But my point in mentioning this is that if you do not want to be a burden to your family, you may ask your family now not to do things like intermittent fasting with you when you're demented because that might help other aspects of your health and you might be alive a lot longer. Okay, so there was a study in rats that showed that intermittent fasting may delay the onset of Alzheimer's disease or even reduce its severity. So I said that to a doctor and he said, where was that study? And I said, it was the Journal of Neurobiological Disease. He said, when was that? I said, well, April uh, 2007. And he says, where can I find that study? I said, you can find it on the U.S. National Library of Medicine, uh, National Institutes of Health uh, website. Then the phone call got a little quiet. <laughs> so I told him that the, the title of the study was Intermittent Fasting and Caloric Restriction Ameliorates, that means lessens age-related behavioral deficits in the triple transgenic mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. Say that three times fast. They actually have a mouse that they bred that gets Alzheimer's disease. I mean, it's genetically like that's its mission in life, sadly. But when you fast these buggers, they don't tend to get the disease. Pretty amazing. Let me read you just a little. So the article starts off by saying that Alzheimer's disease is a neurodegenerative disease or disorder characterized by progressive decline in cognitive associated function with um, various neuropathological hallmarks, meaning that in the brain there's an accumulation of these amyloid beta peptides or plaques called uh, and neurofibrillary tangles. They just mess up the brain. Then it goes on to say, I'm looking at the study right now, because aging is a major risk factor for Alzheimer's and dietary energy restriction can retard aging in the brain. Did you get that, folks? Fasting slows down brain aging. These scientists tested the hypothesis that two different energy restriction regimes, 40% regimes, caloric restriction and intermittent fasting can protect against cognitive decline in the triple transgenic mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. And basically, they concluded that caloric restriction and intermittent fasting dietary regimes can ameliorate age-related deficits in cognitive function by mechanisms that may or may not be related to those plaques I talked to you about. This is incredible information, and the medical profession is completely unaware of it. And you're going to say, what do you mean? It's, you read in the medical journals, how can they be unaware? Yes, these are in the journals, but they're not part of regular treatments. So doctors might have some vague notion about fasting, but you're not going to see a neurologist intermittently fast, for example, their Alzheimer's patient or someone who has, uh, they're in the early throes of the disease, unless they're a holistic neurologist. 
So I worked with a neurologist for six years and I practiced holistic neurology. People came to him, if they needed meds, he got, he wrote them. I did only the nutritional stuff. So through my studies and experience, and a lot of experience with holistic neurology, I am telling you that intermittent fasting can be dramatic in uh, brain protection, neuroprotection, and also what's called neuroplasticity, allowing the brain to reform. So animal studies also suggest that fasting protects against neurodegenerative diseases, including Parkinson's disease and another horrible neurologic disease called Huntington's disease. And if it's done correctly, it also helps for neuropathies and seizures, but you gotta be careful with seizures. So again, you must do this with the help of an experienced healthcare provider and multiple sclerosis. So last concept, pretty much. Does intermittent fasting extend your life? Can, can it actually help you live longer? So. One of the most exciting applications of intermittent fasting is its ability to extend lifespan of rats and mice. Studies in the rats have shown that intermittent fasting extends their lifespan in a very similar way as continuous caloric restriction does. So that's really cool because it's, it's hard to do caloric restriction every day of your life. I spoke earlier reducing you know, your calories 30% a day. It's, it's torture. In some of these studies, the effects were really dramatic. In one of them, rats that fasted every other day lived 83% longer than the rats that weren't fasting. It, it, it blew my mind when I read this study. It was in the journal uh, Gerontology and it was called Effects of Intermittent Fasting Upon Growth and Lifespan in Rats. Absolutely blew my mind, even though I knew it and I practiced these things. So given the known benefits uh, for metabolism and all sorts of health markers, it makes sense that intermittent fasting uh, could help you live a longer and healthier life, live longer during the non-disability stage, quality stage of life. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, as you can tell, I'm excited about the whole concept of fasting. I've been developing different fasting options for my patients for about 30 years, but it doesn't get boring. And figuring out exactly the, the, the way in which a person must be fasted for their health goals over time is a challenge, but is a challenge worth doing. I want to thank so many of you for getting me this topic because if it weren't for all the emails through the website, I wouldn't have known that you wanted to hear it. So again, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. Please listen to my next shows on Ask the Blood Detective. If you want to see me as a patient, would love to meet you. You can call me at 914-552-1442, 914-552-1442. I'm just an hour north of New York City. And it was fantastic speaking with you today. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Show me.